0: This is your podcast for All Things Refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 15. Well, today we have our Zebra Spring Furniture Flip host, Jen Talley, a perfectly imperfect furniture with us to announce the winner of this year's spring event. We discuss how to assess a piece of furniture for structural issues before purchasing with the winners of the Winter Zebra Collective. We also discuss their winning pieces, and we learn all about the monthly hashtag furniture contest mid-mod makeovers in our conversation with Crystal Foster of Foster Farmhouse Furniture. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. days and perhaps weeks of searching for that ugly duckling piece of furniture that most people would pass by and then gleefully transforming it into a beautiful swan is what the zebra furniture flip is all about we had tremendous fun watching refinishers show off their vision and refinishing skills taking what was undesirable and making it a must-have for someone's home our second annual zebra spring furniture flip was hosted by none other than Tally with perfectly imperfect furniture Jen always works so hard to encourage folks to enter the event and then cheers them on throughout the process. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Are you excited to announce the winner of the Zebra Spring Furniture Flip?
1: I am super excited, Lane.
0: Listen, Jen, you know, you spent a great deal of time defining what an ugly duckling was and what it is not, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. You know, what? it's it's a term that I actually came up with myself a few years ago in my own Furniture refinishing process. And what I define it as is a very um, undesirable, outdated piece of furniture that most people would walk right by, that they wouldn't, um, they don't think has the potential to ever be pretty um, or that people would want in their home. Um, When I was, you know, a few years into my furniture refinishing, I would have pieces that I definitely considered ugly ducklings and when they were finished the comments that I would get from um, followers and clients are just like oh my gosh you know I can't believe my eyes I that doesn't even look like the same piece of furniture you know you have an eye you have a vision Um, I love seeing your before and afters because they're just you know it's, it's just an amazing transformation so then I kind of started calling my own like when I would get a piece that I would show, you know, on my stories or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, I know my followers are thinking, what the heck are you doing? And, you know, I would say, guys, this is an uh, this is an ugly duckling, but stay with me here. I promise you, I'm going to turn this into a beautiful swan. And that term kind of caught on within the um, refinishing community. And that's why I wanted to kind of start this contest, because I think as furniture refinishers, Um, a lot of us have that eye and we have that vision. We see things that other people don't see. So I'm like, it's not just me, you know, I'm not the only one that has this. You guys can do it too. And, um, I'm so pleasantly surprised that every, as we go further and further with this competition, this was our third round. I feel like people are really getting it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, um, there were several entries that might've been like, um, a piece that was really dirty. It had been sitting in a shed and collecting dirt and dust and spiders and, you know, whatever. But underneath that dirt, it was clearly, you know, a beautiful empire dresser or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I think now people are kind of getting it where it's like, Whoa, you know, you go to a thrift store or rummage sale or see something and you look at this piece and it's almost like, what, you know, what am I even looking at? um, Can can I can I do this? So I I definitely saw more ugly ducklings um, this time around than in any of the past competitions.
0: Yeah. And I love the fact that uh, the way you've touched on that about, you know, not just being dirty, not just being worn and rough looking, but literally is ugly. And, you know, one of the tests for that is when you, you know, you go look at a piece and you're and you look at it and you're like, "I, I have no idea what I would do with this piece. In fact, as you've often said, people walk on by it. And so I think that's that's like a good way to think through how do you choose an ugly duckling piece? It's something that looks so bad and so ugly that, you know, it just would take some vision and some time to get that vision, you know, uh, before you even know what to do with it. But I love the fact that it's pushing refinishers into not just, you know, looking for those those pieces that, yeah, I see it. That is a beautiful piece. It just needs to be repainted or it needs some structural repairs which that's all great, but to be able to go even go to the next level and say, this piece normally would have been thrown away or would sit on the floor at this, you know, uh, consignment shop for a very, very long time. But now, you know, I have the opportunity to take it and go, okay, I'm going to think about this for a while. I've got to get some vision here, but you know, it can be, you know, a beautiful swan. So uh, that's excellent. Right. Well, the the flip, we had some phenomenal sponsors for the spring flip this year, and I want to highlight those because we really appreciate those sponsors. And, of course, they will uh, be giving the gifts to the winner and the finalists. So those are Melange Paints, Mud Paint, Chacteau Interiors Milk Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and, of course, Zebra Paint Brushes. Well, Jen, all the votes have been tallied. Um, No pun intended there. (laughs) (laughs) And we are ready to announce our winner. Drum roll, please.
1: The winner of the Zebra Furniture Flip is Kelsey at Mini Furniture Flip. Congratulations, Kelsey.
0: Wow. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations, Kelsey. And well done, Summer Nicole as well. It's incredible to make it as a finalist amongst so much t- tough competition. Well, next week we are going to hear from the two finalists and the winner. Jen will join us to ask them some questions about their transformations. You don't want to miss the podcast as there is always gleaning to be had on the processes and what they did to get it from ugly to beautiful. Thanks again jen for all you do not only by hosting the zebra flip but also your incredible contributions to the refinishing world as a whole
1: thank you lane it was my pleasure
0: listening friends it's always a treat to showcase winners from the many contests we host throughout the year in early may we announced the winners of the winter zebra collective our collective by the way is our quarterly contest Well, today we have the privilege of hearing from those award-winning refinishers, Anna with Raven Street Market, Gina with Bayberry Moon, and Story with Furniture Story. Well, hello to all three of you and congratulations.
2: Hi, thank you. Thank
3: you.
0: Well, the theme for the contest was to offset the coldness of winter by showcasing pieces that make you feel warm and cozy, deep, moody colors, warm, rich tones, and soft textures. All three of you did a really nice job of achieving the warm and cozy. Just a quick thank you to all of the sponsors for the Zebra Winter Collective Daydream, Apothecary Paint, Walrus Oil, RZ Mask, Motley Home, and Zebra Paintbrushes. Listeners, you can check out their winning pieces as we discuss them by going to enjoyzebra.com. Click on the podcast link at the bottom of the page. You know, an interesting fact, uh, all three of our winners are from different states, but all from the Midwest. That means you guys know what it's like to be cold, really cold. Am I, am I accurate on that?
3: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Long winter. It's cold. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, let's take a few minutes to talk about where you live and your weather. And let's start with Story. Story, you're from Wisconsin.
3: I'm from Wisconsin. I'm actually originally from Taiwan. So this is like living in tundra for me.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) How how long have you been living in Wisconsin?
3: I've been living here for about 21 years.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Well, that's, but you know, I bet you still get cold. A lot of people will joke about people who live in cold weather and they'll say, Oh, you know how to handle the cold weather. It's nothing for you. And I bet you say, No, I still get very cold.
3: Oh, well, I'm cold every day, even now. <laughs>
0: Are you? <laughs> uh, so, well, I grew
3: up in a subtropical island. So, this is, like I said, it's like tundra for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I bet so. So what part of uh, Wisconsin do do you live?
3: I'm in Burlington, Wisconsin, but I work in Racine, Wisconsin, which is, and they both are in um, southeast, eastern part of Wisconsin. I'm about 45 minutes away from Milwaukee, two hours away from Chicago.
0: Oh, nice. Now, if I did my research right, I think I figured out that Burlington is named Chocolate City. Am I correct on that?
3: You are correct.
0: Oh, I think I want to live there. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I happen to love chocolate. Now that's because I think that's is it let's see, is it Nestle, right? Nestle that uh yeah. do they still have a chocolate factory there?
3: I believe so. Actually I just moved to Burlington almost two years ago and I lived in racing for twenty years.
0: okay. Well, it's cool that you're close to these larger cities. Uh, do you feel like that gives you an advantage of you know, for with your customer base? I mean, are you selling to some of those larger cities?
3: Not really. I, I get uh, most of my I don't actually I don't have a client base. I, I sell my pieces on Facebook Marketplace.
0: Mm. And now, if
3: you, I, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Why is was just gonna ask you so you sell on, on Facebook marketplace. Do you uh, do you also ship or do you just sell locally?
3: I just sell locally and if I cannot sell them on marketplace I usually take my pieces to a shop in Kenosha. Hmm,
0: okay. Well that's nice, you got some good options. So are you enjoying spring weather yet? You said you're cold all the time. It doesn't <laughs> sound like spring has arrived for you.
3: Spring here is kinda of bipolar. It can be a few weeks ago it was eighty degrees and then it went down to forty some degrees. So I just call the weather here. bipolar in the spring.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's those uh, weather swings, you know, or I should say temperature swings with the weather because it's that time of year. Well, I guess you can keep your sweater on, right? Absolutely. Well, Gina, you live in Missouri. Yes. So what part?
2: Um, I'm just outside of St. Louis, just about 20, 30 minutes away from St. Louis. It's called St. Charles.
0: Yeah, so um, you live, like, I guess St. Charles is on the, is it the Missouri River? hmm I bet that is beautiful.
2: It is. We have a lot of really pretty rivers here. We do a lot of float trips in the Midwest.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that, sound, <laughs> that sounds nice. Well, Gina, any fun facts about uh, where you live in St. Charles?
2: Um, fun facts? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. We do have um, a beautiful Main Street area um, that's along the river. That's where I sell my vintage pieces. I don't sell my furniture from there, but I sell vintage as well. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And
2: uh, it's a really pretty historic area. So a lot of people come in to St. Charles to visit there. We also have a lot of wineries, which people don't um, tend to know about. So those are our two attractions, I would say.
0: Have you always lived in Missouri?
2: Yes. Yeah, this is where I grew up.
0: Oh, nice. So I guess you probably have family close by then.
2: Yeah, all of our family is here.
0: Any nice weather yet? Are you still dealing with uh, some colder weather?
2: Um, Well, I was out of town for a few weeks, and it was apparently um, really hot in the 90s while I was gone. And then I came back, and it was really cool. (laughs) It's been very cool and overcast (laughs) this week. Um, I would have had no idea it was so hot. So, yeah, our weather is kind of bipolar as well, I would say.
0: Yeah, well, you know um, we're experiencing pretty similar weather that, uh, that you are right now because this week has been rather overcast and in some ways a little bit chilly, you know, a bit of a cool breeze. Because last week also we hit I think we hit 93 or 94 at one point. Yeah. which is which is really unusual for this time of year this early you know it um but then now we're back to now we're like but below normal because i guess the average right now at least for north carolina is is right around 80 uh, oh, that so that sounds perfect <laughs> yeah we're we're trying to um uh, go from like short sleeves back to sweaters to short sleeves umbrellas although we're thankful for the rain because it has been so dry here so we're getting some rain with these overcast um clouds so it's nice
2: yeah, we've been getting a lot of rain too.
0: So Anna, uh let's finish the Midwest tour. You are in yes, Minnesota, I'm correct? Just north of Minneapolis. You were on, I think a few years back. I don't know if you remember that. Um and I think we talked about you live sort of in the country, I right? I do,
4: yes. I refer to myself as twenty minutes from Target. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember that <laughs> <laughs> stuck in my head because that's kind of a cool situation to be out in the country, but yet close enough where when you need to run to the bigger city, you can. Now, when you say 20 minutes from Target, is that like right close to the city or is that just uh, in the suburbs?
4: So I am. I would say I'm in an outer sub- suburb. The Target is in the suburbs. So I'm driving 20 minutes into the closer city suburb.
0: Got mm, gotcha. Well, you know what? I believe, if I'm correct in my evaluations here, that you get the award for being the most northern uh, <laughs> location of the three of you. Yeah.
4: I- our, our winters here are extended, so I always say that May showers bring June fl- flowers instead of April showers. But <laughs> oh, I never
0: heard that, and I'll have to remember that because because that it, uh, it's probably very very accurate yeah. for your area. So you probably have in the same weather that uh, that everybody else is having as uh, far as the Midwest.
4: Yeah, it's, it's been um, a little cold. We had a, a warm stint for a while, and then it's back to being cold and it's rainy today which we need for everything to turn green.
0: I know. It's just just not right to have a drought in the springtime, is it? Listen, Anna, I can't wait to ask you about this, but I have to ask (laughs) you about your goose.
4: (laughs) I had the same one. Oh, you stole my question.
0: Oh, no, did I? Yes. Yeah. um. Yeah, I, I saw, listen, I saw your reel, and it was so incredibly cute the way your goose was like pulling at your mask and you were so patient with it. Now, like, like, okay. So give us the full scoop on the goose.
4: So I actually have three geese and this one, her name is Gabby and she is always there. So if I'm outside, she's right next to me. Um, I do a lot of my prep work out in the garage and I should probably get a fence so that she can't come into the garage. But every time I'm in the garage, she's, right behind me inspecting the furniture and picking at my clothes. So one day I just thought, you know, I should record this because she is so cute. But, um yeah, she's always there.
0: Oh, that's, that's sweet. And how long have you uh, had her?
4: I got her a year ago exactly this month.
0: Wow, and so she just basically follows you. Does she follow you around the yard, and when you you know when you do other things, or just primarily when you're yeah, in the garage working? Yeah,
4: she follows. If I go out back, all three of them come flying from a distance, squawking out of excitement. And I don't know why, because they won't <laughs> eat treats. I've tried to feed them several different types of uh, fruits and vegetables, and they just won't touch it. So I don't know why they come running, but they just want to follow and see where I'm going.
0: Yeah, they just love you, don't they? I guess now i i've never had a goose so like what's it like having a goose as a pet like are you like will they sit still and let you um pet them and brush them like what what um, is that like
4: in general I, I feel like they're a little bit like cats where they don't want you to come to them they want to come to you mm. and yeah once in a while you can sneak in a pet um but not usually with all of them. It's just Gabby with me is just extra friendly. I don't know why. I guess I raised her since she was a day old. So um, I can pet her, but Mm. generally you can't. So sorry, nobody can come over and pet the geese. They'll probably run away, but.
0: (laughs) Well, Gina and Story, I'm I'm sorry that I stole your thunder (laughs) question. Do you guys want to, do you have any follow-up questions for Anna about the goose?
2: Do you have, do you have like a lake at your house?
4: or ponds so we do have a pond in the backyard but it's through the woods and they've never found it and i i kind of prefer it that way because i'm afraid they're going to go out there and get eaten by something oh, okay. or just not come back um so we just yeah. use little kitty pools for them to bathe in
0: well, I know one thing, we all are expecting more reels with you and Gabby. <laughs> oh,
4: I'm sure you'll get them. <laughs> yep, have here. We'll be around.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that was fun. Well, we'll go ahead and transition into our discussion on your winning pieces. Listeners, stay tuned because after we discuss their pieces, we're going to have a panel discussion on negotiating pricing for your furniture buys. Anna, you won first place with your beautiful dresser. Describe it and tell us how you achieved that fabulous look.
4: Well, um, it's a two-tone dresser, so the top of the dresser is a natural wood finish, and then the base is a high contrast that's a dark green color. Um, The top, so every piece of furniture that I do generally comes with a story of some sort, so I'll tell my story. Um, This piece had dark rings in the top, and so I needed to bleach the wood in order to get those dark rings out of the wood, since I wanted to go with a lighter color. Um, Typically, I don't like to bleach wood. You can actually accomplish a light wood tone just by washing it with paints. Um, Even if your wood has a red tone to it, if you wash it with a paint that has a green tone to it, it'll cancel out the reds. And then you can go over that with the colors, the tans that you would like to wash it with to accomplish a natural wood finish. But this piece, Mm. I had to bleach it because of the dark rings. So it was really a correction process. So after bleaching it several times and the rings had disappeared, then I moved to the base and I painted the base, the dark color. And after applying the paint, I saw on the sides that some of the bleach had dripped down the sides of the furniture. And after you bleach a surface, you should neutralize it with a vinegar water mix 50 50 that'll neutralize the bleach so it doesn't eat through your future finishes um so on the sides of the furniture that hadn't been neutralized and so after i had primed and painted the bleach was starting to come through the finish and showed a different sheen so i sanded it down i used some vinegar to try to neutralize the drips and They kept showing through after I finished it again. So to correct that, I applied a textured wallpaper to those surfaces um, to cover up those areas with imperfections. And then I painted that. And then we have our final product.
0: Brilliant. That was, I mean, it's one of those things as it unfolds, you know, when you run into issues, you end up coming out with probably more of a beautiful result than what you'd originally planned.
4: Yes. So anytime you're refinishing a piece and you run into an issue and you're getting frustrated and you want to go cry a little bit, it sometimes it does. It ends up better than you even originally planned. So this piece ended up with more texture than I originally had intended.
0: Well, it's here is a beautiful story and Gina, any questions for Anna?
4: Um what,
2: what was the texture? What was what was that, that you put on there for the texture?
4: So Um, I know a lot of people are doing plasters through stencils, which I'm not comfortable enough to take that step yet. This is a textured, paintable wallpaper, and you can find them on Amazon or Home Depot. This specific one I purchased from Home Depot, and um, it's, it's a white piece of wallpaper that has a raised texture to it. And you just plaster it onto your piece, let it dry for 24 hours, and then you can paint it any color you want.
2: Um, How did it paint? I I actually, I've only ever done wallpaper on a piece once, and um, it was white, and the piece was white, and I didn't actually paint it because I liked it white. But I was wondering, just after looking at it, like, how well it would actually take the paint. Did it take it okay?
4: It goes on beautifully. It doesn't soak in like you think maybe a paper would soak in i don't know what it's made out of but the paint applies to the wallpaper the same way after you've primed wood the sheens match perfectly so it turned out really nice it all matches and it it takes the paint well which i guess they call it paintable wallpaper so specifically if you're ever going to apply wallpaper make sure it's paintable wallpaper i would say
2: Okay, good to know. I still have a lot left, so I might
3: at some point use it and paint it. Yeah, maybe I missed it. Um, What kind of adhesive did you use to apply the wallpaper?
4: It is just a universal wallpaper and border adhesive. That's what it's called. It comes in a tub. And I just purchased that from the hardware store as well.
0: Well, absolutely stunning. And congratulations. If you would share your social media account so folks can follow you if yeah. they aren't already.
4: Um, I share most of my pieces on Instagram, and my account is Raven Street Market, all spelled out and all connected.
0: Gina, you won second with your incredible MCM set. Describe it and tell us how you achieved this look. And I believe you mentioned that you ran into some issues at the end of your project.
2: You mean that I wanted to burn it?
0: Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure that's... That was a strong statement.
2: <laughs> because it was true. <laughs> um, so I bought that set. Actually, it's just one of those things. You see it on on Facebook Market and it looks beautiful and I actually bought that set thinking, wow, I think I can just put some restore finish on this and sell it as is. Um, I tend to really like MCM pieces as is with the wood. Um, I rarely find them in good enough condition for that to happen. So I was a little excited about it. But when I got them home, um, they are way more scuffed up than what it looked like. And so I decided, you know, with a very square shape, I was going to attempt the dipped look that I see so many people do because it just seemed like a good shape for that. And so I sanded it, the tops all down, and um, taped everything off, painted it. Um, I work out in my garage generally, and the light is not as good out there. So um, I knew that I had sanded through some veneer and spaces. And if you've you've ever done that before, sanded through the veneer, it's really hard to fix that and make it look good. Sometimes like on, a, on the top of a furniture piece or in a place that's not so obvious, you can fix it and it doesn't look bad. But um, anyways, I got it all taped off, all painted, all finished, completely done. And the very last drawer that I stuck in there after I carried everything inside um, where I had sanded through the veneer, it just looked so bad. And it didn't look bad in the garage. And my husband was like, ooh, what is that? (laughs) At that point, I knew that I had to um, either burn it or (laughs) do something to make it look better. So after I stomped around the house for a little bit, I decided to raise the paint line on it about an inch on all three pieces. So I had to go back through and and just sand that little piece, retape everything, repaint everything. And you know, measure it all out and um actually ended up being happy where the line ended up. I actually liked it better. So it was a happy mistake in the end.
0: Now did the so where you you said you only painted an additional inch up?
2: Uh-huh. To cover up that, that veneer mistake that I made on the drawer. Luckily yeah. like it was on the bottom of the drawer and I was able to just raise everything up.
0: Wow. Well, I don't know. That's one of those things uh, that you would never tell because it looks spot on now. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. Anna, in story, any questions for Gina?
4: I have been admiring the dipped pieces as well, but I've been so intimidated by the sides of the piece, trying to get a clean line on a flat surface. So do you have a technique to share that helped you achieve that clean line between the wood and the paint?
2: Well, I used frog tape and um, I just, I got out my little yardstick um, and I just, when I measured it, I made a few marks and then I drew a straight line and then I used the frog tape to tape it off. And in my experience, cause I've used other brands, um, frog tape doesn't bleed through. So the lines always come out really nice. Um, you're really supposed to wait to take it off. You're supposed to take it off while the paint is still wet because it will like pull up the paint if you don't. And I actually took a gamble on it and waited till it was dry so that I could do all my layers and it still came up clean. It didn't pull any paint off. So I highly recommend if you ever do something where you have to, to tape a clean line to use the frog
4: tape. Awesome. Good to know.
3: When you finished your piece, did you finish the whitewash part first or the part that you painted first? I sanded it.
2: I'm trying to think. I sanded it first and I did I did the whole, um, I did the top part first. So the whitewashed, I I sanded that. Then I did a wash to it and then I applied the finish to it. And I actually, um, when I did that, it actually came down lower then, where I ended up painting, and I did that on purpose just to make sure that like I don't know, just to make sure it wasn't too high up um, so it actually when I taped it off, I taped off and painted over some of the part that I had originally sanded down um, so it all it all came together okay, mm-hmm. other than that one little hiccup. <laughs>
0: Gina, when you're putting the frog tape down, do you burnish it once you get it down or do you just like, you know, do you just lay it down and just sort of rub over with your finger?
2: I just laid I once I put it on there, I just took the ruler that I had used or the yardstick that I had used to measure Mm -hmm. it. And um, I just kind of ran it over it.
0: Well, I don't know. I love the dip look as well. Uh, The set is really beautiful. Congratulations. Uh, Share your social media accounts uh, so folks can follow you as well.
2: Um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Bayberry Moon, one word, um, on both.
0: Great. Story, you won third with your stunning Art Deco dresser. You had a situation, uh, but I believe if I'm not mistaken, yours was with hardware. Something about your hardware didn't arrive, so you you had to work it out some other way. So describe it and tell us all about it.
3: Okay, so before I start talking about peace, I have to ask you guys a question. Has anyone seen the movie The War of Roses? I don't know. It is a 1980 American black comedy film that follows a wealthy couple with a seemingly perfect marriage. Um, if I remember correctly, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner were both in there, they have the main characters. So when their marriage begins to fall apart, material possessions become the center of an outrageous and bitter divorce battle. So they they both try everything to get each other to leave the house. And one of the things that Kathleen Turner said, when I watch you eat, when I see you asleep, when I look at you later, I just want to smash your face in. So where am I going with this story? So I picked up this art deco dresser when I was not supposed to get more furniture. I had just promised my husband that I would try to work on all my inventory before I buy more furniture. Obviously, my promise didn't last very long. (laughs) So after I brought the dresser home, my husband said, "Um, so instead of smashing my face, you bought a piece of furniture. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually got two dresses that day.
0: <laughs> and this was one of them, I, pay- I take it.
3: <laughs> well, we'll Mary so it, it's all good.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so When I saw the dress on Facebook Marketplace, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. I did a very small piece last summer, and it sold very quickly. I did a combination of keeping the original wood on the two top drawers in addition to to the detailed design and and, and painting the rest of the body in the midnight blue color. I used a Mohawk fill stick putty wax filler to fill, to fix minor damage to the wood. Um, The sticks definitely had a learning curve to it. It kind of took me a while to uh, get used to it. I also use restore a finish with fine steel wool to revive the wood grain. And seal it with beeswax. For the body, I use a foam roller and my favorite Zebra square paintbrush. And then seal it with a water-based top coat. And, yes, Zebra has the best brushes, and they're also also very affordable.
0: Thank you, Story. And we didn't pay you to say that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate that. Well, you know what? It was, uh, along with your talents, it was certainly reflected in, in this particular piece. And I, I just wanted to say, because I was looking at these pieces, and the reason why I brought up about the hardware is because the, the, the hardware that you used before you got the hardware in that you uh, ended up with, I thought both of them worked beautifully.
3: Um, The first one I got, they were actually from Amazon, and they... They actually did not look very well. They didn't look very good in person. I ended up ordering the the hardware from uh, Chateau Interior because Amazon w- was out of the, the ones I, w- I was looking at. And But the ones I, I got from Chateau Interior, they, the color was too light, so I stained them in a darker shade.
0: Okay. So the, okay. You know what? I'm, I'm uh re-evaluating my comments here. <laughs> uh, I still think they look good, but I see what you mean. Now I had to zoom in really close. So the, the, the first, there were leather poles or leather straps, right? Okay. Yes. And those were the first ones you got and those you stained those darker. When you zoom in, I can see the difference between what you have on your first one to your second uh one that you said you got from Chateau, Those had little brass uh connectors or something on each side. Yes. Yeah, I see. Those are very, very nice. Yeah. Well you made a wise decision. Sometimes in a photograph, unless you're looking really, really close, you uh you can't see all those details. Right. Well Anna and Gina, any questions for story?
2: What color restore finish did you use on those drawers? It's really pretty. Um, do you
3: I believe they are. See, dark walnut. Okay,
2: I have the walnut. I wasn't sure. Um, I have a piece that I might use restore finish on, and I have, I have the walnut, and it's a similar color to what you to the wood on your piece. So I think that will work then.
4: And I was just admiring the pulls specifically. I mean, the the whole piece is beautiful, and the leather pulls and the color that you chose complements the wood tones so well. Um, you did an awesome job pairing those together, and I was curious about the polls, and I didn't realize that Chateau Interiors sells hardware, so thank you for that information.
3: And I don't think Kristen paid me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's great. No, actually, uh, Kristen does on Chateau Interiors, has has a really nice array of hardware to choose from, and she didn't pay me either, <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, story. Uh, we really love everything you did with this Art Deco piece. Really nice. Congratulations, uh, story. And thank you so much. Yeah, and share your social media accounts so folks can follow you.
3: I have Instagram account furniture story, and Facebook is same thing. It's furniture story.
0: Great. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a friend of our sponsor.
5: I'm Rachel Smith with Upcycled Smithery, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I've been partial to Zebra paintbrushes for a couple years now, and that is because they give me the best overall finish on my pieces. The bristles are so soft and hold a ton of paint. I don't have to worry about harsh brush marks on my pieces with my Zebra brushes. They are well made, don't shed a ton of bristles, and are completely reusable. It's hard for me to choose a favorite, but I will say that I've been using my fan brush a lot lately. I like how it has a flat edge for cutting in, but it also fans out around furniture legs and rounded trim. If you haven't tried zebra brushes yet, I highly recommend. They are game changers and will not disappoint.
0: We appreciate your kind words about our brushes, Rachel. shopping for pieces to refinish can be a challenge at times you want to get the piece at the lowest cost possible that certainly gives you bigger profit margins you also have to consider the structural integrity of a piece because that of course requires more work which is time and you know maybe the repairs require a skill you aren't yet comfortable with our panel discussion today is a casual one between community friends just learning from one another on how you each assess these pieces when you go to purchase them I'll sit back and enjoy, and as well, I may have a question or two, as you guys discuss. Take it away.
4: Um, I have realized over the years of refinishing that the structural integrity of a piece is number one importance for me, um, simply because I am not great at structural repairs. Um, I feel like it's like taking somebody who is a painter of walls and asking them to hang their sheetrock, that's just not a skill that I have. So when I go pick up pieces, things that I look for is to make sure that structural pieces like the legs are attached because if a leg is broken off, I'm just not quite sure I can attach it in a way that'll stay there for years to come. If it were in my own home, I know it'd last at least a year, but I want to make sure that a customer can pull and tug their piece around their home on carpet and make sure that pieces aren't going to break off Um, And then also the drawers. I like to make sure that the drawers are fully intact. Dovetailed construction is so important for the durability of drawers for years to come. So I make sure that the drawers are all intact. I make sure that the piece doesn't wobble. Um, When I used to pick up furniture to begin, I thought that if I'm paying less money, I'll get a piece that's a fixer-upper, and I just take it back and fix a few things. And that's where I discovered um, that I'm not great at fixing things. So what I tend to do is spend a little bit more money on pieces that have really good bones, that are solid, that I know are going to stay solid for years to come. um, And in return for that extra that you spend on a piece – you save time, and you also save money on supplies, because when you're picking up a piece and realize all of the fixes involved, especially if you need to purchase wood or tools to accomplish a certain project, that'll cost money, and you could have just bought a piece in good shape to start with. Um But once in a while, you'll come across a piece that definitely needs some help and it might just steal your heart away. It's a diamond in the rough and you want to learn from the piece. And so those are just different mindsets of if you want to learn, if you want to take on that extra level of education, or if you want to just refinish beautiful furniture, I suppose.
2: I agree with you when I look for furniture pieces. I'm the same way, pretty much exactly what you just said. Um, I learned um, early on that it's just not worth the money that you make sometimes to spend hours and hours and hours doing repairs. And it also just really takes the joy out of it. And a lot of times, if I don't know how to do something, I have to ask my husband to show me or help me or whatever. And I, I try not to like bring him into it more than he has to already be, to help me get the furniture sometimes. Um, but I'll add to what you said and say smell is a big deal too. I recently picked up a piece. I think it might've been free. I don't remember. It didn't cost a lot. And we put it in the truck. And as soon as like we pulled away, we both looked at each other and were like, we got to get rid of this. So we literally took it straight to a thrift shop because it smelled so bad. (laughs) And I have been there, done that with like cigarette smoke or cat odors or whatever, And trying to get that out is, I think it's, I mean, you can do the different things to it, but to me, it always comes back. So I don't mess around with that. And I've also learned if, if I'm getting something off Facebook market, the questions to ask people, and that's one of them, you know, once you've got it sort of secured, I'll say just, you know, to follow up real quick, does it have any odors? Does, Is it real wood? Because sometimes things look like real wood, and then you get it, and it's particle board. How do the drawers look? You know, I ask the questions because I've wasted a lot of time going to pick things up that are just way more damaged than what they appear to be on Facebook Market.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I when I first started shopping through Facebook Marketplace, I'd show up at the person's house, and if there were imperfections with the piece that I wasn't sure i was comfortable with correcting i still felt like i'd taken this person's time i should bring it home and I'm
2: the same way <laughs> yeah we're the same way that's why we just took it to a thrift shop because we're like it was it's 25 dollars. Yeah. yeah i if they had yeah, told me something I, different or it was more way more expensive i might have not done that you know but
4: yeah, I feel like over the years, I mean, sometimes if I really love a piece, I'll take it home and try to work with it. But usually that piece ends up in the back of my garage and I will always start working on pieces that are in better shape and in the end regret my purchase. Um, for example, there was a it was a buffet, technically a really small buffet, and it was on these long, skinny legs and it was so pretty. And I showed up to the person's house And as soon as she went to open a drawer and show me the piece, the whole piece swayed left to right. Mm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, (laughs) because I'd like to sell high quality furniture to customers, especially after all the time and work that you put into a piece. Um, And so I took out the bottom drawer and I looked underneath the buffet and I saw that she had already tried to put these corner brackets in to hold the corners and the legs all together to keep it tighter Um, and she said oh we haven't really tried to fix it and then I looked underneath and they had tried to fix it because the corner brackets were there and I just knew from my level of knowledge that that's probably what I would have also tried was corner brackets to attach all of the wood pieces together to stabilize it and since that is what they used i knew that i could not fix this piece so that was one of those times in the blue moon that i said i'm sorry i just can't take this piece because i don't believe i can fix it when
3: i first started flipping furniture i I was grabbing any furniture i could lay my hands on as long as they were free or affordable and had good bones i really wasn't thinking if i had the skills or time to fix them and I ended up reselling some of them as uh, project pieces. And I'm definitely more selective now with the pieces I pick up because I'm not I'm not very handy, and I still have a little fear of using power tools. I will ask my myself these questions: Do I really want to work on this project? Can I fix it without bothering my husband? <laughs> I, I usually ask him to replace the uh, a back panel or draw tracks for me if. I mean, if it's a really cool piece, I cannot pass.
0: Anna, I got a question for you. When you told the lady that, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to pass this piece, pass on this piece, Did what was her response? Did she understand?
4: Well, we here in Minnesota are Minnesota nice. So we were nice. On both ends. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I was just honest. And I I said, I just didn't realize that, you know, it was wobbling and I, I, I'm not capable of fixing this. I just know I can, so I'll have to pass. And she was understanding. Um, in her listing, she didn't say anything about the structural integrity of the piece. And it was this very small buffet that was priced at $100. Mm. For It was little. I mean, maybe it was two and a half, three feet across. It was very small. Um, and, yeah, she took it well, or Minnesota Nice well. She said, oh, no problem. Thanks for coming to look at it. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. And, and people, when they're listing things, they do need to understand if if there are definite problems. I mean, even if you can't open a drawer without the whole thing shaking, I thought one of the little legs was just going to mm-hmm. snap off, just opening a drawer. You would think they would uh, list those details just to save their time so when people arrive that they aren't caught off guard. Um So people out there, when you list something, just be very transparent and honest about what you're listing. It it saves everybody's time. Yeah,
0: that's a a very good point. And I think, Gina, you mentioned this. You said that uh, when you're reaching out to a seller, you often ask them questions, specific questions. And I thought, you know, that's really wise because that puts you into a position of explaining when you go to look at the piece that, you know what? You explained that or you stated that this piece had this, this and this done to it. But, um, you know, from standing here looking at it, I'm seeing a different uh, situation here. So I'm either going to have to get a cheaper price or just going to have to say no.
2: Yeah, we've learned that the hard way to just to ask questions because just going to get a piece of furniture is your time. You know, it, it takes an hour, maybe more. And it's heavy and it's like you don't really want to have to drag something out of somebody's house that you have no intention of keeping because it's not what you thought it was going to be. So yeah, um, I've just learned to ask as many questions. And you know, a lot of times, like I said, I will kind of secure the piece because if something's free and you ask questions, they usually just scroll on by and pick the person that doesn't ask the questions. (laughs) So many times I will say, I would love to come get this. And then, you know, then ask the question After we've already arranged a time, hey, you know, just to check, is this, 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 and this? And if it's not, then I'll say, you know what, go ahead and move on to your next person. It's not what I thought it was going to be. So ask the questions after you've secured it, if it's free or very, very low priced, because they won't mess with you if you ask them first.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Because there are plenty of people out there looking for furniture. Yeah,
2: that aren't asking questions. So (laughs) right.
0: Would all three of you then agree that, um, you know, purchasing a piece to refinish, finding out that it needs a lot of structural repairs, is that pretty much um, you're not going to be able to make money off of it?
2: If it has structural repairs?
0: Yeah, if you get a piece and you realize, oh, my goodness, this is requiring a lot of work to, to bring it to a place that it's structurally sound, you know, do you find that it's pretty much a loss because you had to put so much work into it from a structural standpoint, because that doesn't obviously, you know, con- that doesn't include all the, the cleaning, sanding, painting, you know, top coating. I mean, that's an additional thing. So I guess my question is, do you, are you able to compensate for it with the, on the asking price or do you find that, you know, you're just, you're just going to lose money? Cause my, the bottom line is, you know, you don't want to buy a piece that requires structural repair especially if you're not comfortable making those structural repairs. Um, but, but the second part of that is, you know, are you able to buy a piece with structural repairs and still make money off of it?
2: It just depends on the piece. I think I think for the most part, um, with the amount of time you put into to something that has structural repair, like I had one with such bad veneer issues, when you have to start peeling all the veneer off, that just takes so much time, and then you have to make it look good once it's off of there um, to me, you'd really don't make back the time that you put into it um, so i I just don't even mess with that unless it's something that I know and you and this comes with just doing it for a while unless it's a piece that you just know that you can ask a lot for mm-hmm. that people are that are in demand that people really want like a large buffet or something like that. Sometimes those are worth putting the extra time into.
4: Mm. I feel like if you are comfortable making repairs and you have all the tools already and you're, you're handy that you can usually, I have friends that repair furniture and they blow my mind. They completely repurpose pieces from dressers into bookcases and it's just absolutely amazing and i can see that they find joy in that and they're so handy and they've got the tools and for them to make certain repairs if it's like a structural repair on a drawer they might just take the drawer out and make it into a bookcase there you can make money and get a return on your time if you're really good at it or you're handy or if you find joy in it absolutely Um, but for me to make these repairs, I would have to go on YouTube and see what type of wood and what angle to put the screws in at. And I would, there's so much learning for me to put into it that we call that tuition. I mean, you have to pay for your tuition to learn these techniques. Um, so if that's not something you want to add to your skill set, then it, It's just, don't add it. You've got other pieces you could work on that are structurally sound, but for people who love doing that and enjoy it, they can make money off of that, for sure. And those pieces are opportunity pieces for them, um, because there are people that will pass on those because of the condition they're in, like myself. But for me, if I were to have a piece and move forward with correcting it, I would have to learn how to correct it and buy the lumber, hope I have the right lumber, the tools, and then attach it or fix it in whatever way it needs to. And all the while I would be so grumpy and unhappy with my job at that day that that's, that's not something I enjoy. So I wouldn't want to be reimbursed for my time putting into fixing a piece because I didn't want to be doing that to begin with. I like to paint.
3: Well, I'm not very handy, and flipping furniture is is a hobby and side hustle for me. And I try to stay away from power tools as much as I can because I'm just not very good at it. But I can always learn how to be better, and I look at it as a learning lesson.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point, Story. and I think that just really is dependent upon kind of what Anna was touching on is, you know, do you enjoy that aspect of it? And if you do, it's good to stretch your you know, your knowledge base into some new areas like uh, structural repairs. Uh, And if you're doing it as a side business, then uh, that's something maybe you can squeeze in the fact that you want to learn and grow in that area as well. Well, it's always great to glean from others who are doing this on a daily basis. Thanks so much for sharing your own processes of assessing pieces. And once again, congratulations to all three of you. Beautiful and inspiring work. Uh, I'll take all three pieces myself. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly can find a place for them. Well, uh, we really appreciate you guys. And thanks for coming on the show today.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us.
0: There's so many incredible styles when it comes to furniture finishing, and one that has really taken off over the last few years is Mid-Century Modern. A few weeks ago, we featured Jess Randall of Refreshed by Jess, as she was the 2021 Zebra Golden Brush Awards MCM category winner. Well, Jess and several other refinishers got together and created a hashtag, Mid-Mod Makeovers. One of the creators of this hashtag is Crystal Foster of Foster Farmhouse Furniture. And she's joining us today here on Zebras Before and After to tell us more about this monthly contest. Hi, Crystal. Thanks for coming on.
5: Lane, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, tell us about Midmod Makeovers and how it works.
5: So a group of us gals here on Instagram that all kind of have a passion for mid-century modern art deco furniture, um, we got together and we created this hashtag. Um, we've teamed up with some amazing sponsors and um, every month, basically what we do is we keep an eye on um, your use of the hashtag. We announced the winner the last Thursday of every month. Um, and we actually, we got started in October was our first one. And if you go to the hashtag now, you'll notice we already have, I think it's like 3,000 entries. Wow. Um, so people are really loving this. And pe- it's so hard for us to make a decision. And there's... <laughs> Six of us. And it's so fun because we all have, you know, our different style and our different opinions. And it takes us quite a while to make a decision. Um, But when we do, it's so much fun. And just building relationships with people, um, being able to feature their work, being able to feature the brands that we love to use. um, It has been a lot of fun.
0: So, you know, you look at these different furniture styles and uh, I'm glad you um, explained that well with respect to the style, because this is not just specifically MCM it also includes the Art Deco. Exactly. And do you, when you're looking at an MCM piece to refinish yourself and or an Art Deco piece, have, do you find one or the other to be more difficult to refinish?
5: Um, well, to me, the mid-century modern is... Uh, typically a little more simplistic, you know, with the lines yeah. and the details. And that doesn't mean that it's easier necessarily, because if you're trying to get that really clean look, um, and say you have veneer damage or, you know, you're trying to save uh wood because to me, mid-century modern pieces, um, they really, back in the day, they were highlighting that wood grain. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I just love. It's a really handsome look. Um, but then we talk about the Art Deco. And I like to call Art Deco kind of like a dressed-up mid-century modern. It's more ornamental. Um, you see more details. So you might, you know, spend more time trying to bring those details back to life. Um, but I I love both of them equally. And um, I would say... I don't know. I honestly would say that to me, trying to really get those fine lines, more of the mid-century modern pieces, um, that always gives me a little bit more of a harder time. But I also have such a passion for like the waterfall dressers, um, which has, you know, the curved lines. So it's so fun. There's If you go click on the hashtag, I mean, it's not just... It's not just, like, one certain style, like you're saying. You'll see so many, some fun colors, some neutral, a heavy wood grain, um, all the different woods that they offered and all the, like, veneer inlays with three different styles of woods. I mean, it gets me excited just talking about it. I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, you know, I love the fact that – you know, when you want inspiration, all you got to do is, hit, is, hit, is click on some hashtags, and when you talk about mid makeovers, it really is a very fun hashtag to uh, peruse through because there are so many different uh, beautiful uh, renditions of these specific styles from the MCM to the Art Deco. I guess that is that question, too, because was thinking about the fact that Art Deco is uh, a really unique design. It seems very, very specific. Um, and, and MCM is too, but I think because MCM, as you mentioned, is very clean, clean lines, that it has more of a, more of a blank canvas on it. But when you get to the Art Deco, it, because it has so much specificity to its design, like the hardware and the shape and the intricacies of it, I was just wondering if that was harder to, to, to maintain the integrity of Art Deco, but bring it into 2022 so people would want to be able to have it in their home.
5: Absolutely, um, and the way you just phrased that was perfect it 's how I see it as well, and a lot of the mid century modern pieces like you 'll see so much fun um, design work, color blocking people tape, taping spaces off, making designs um, because I really truly believe it is it 's a blank canvas, and you can kind of go wherever you want to go and with the art deco, I kind of think that it it leads you a little bit um, now people a lot of people take off all of the detailed stuff and try to make it a little more simplistic. And that's a great option, too. Um, but I think if you stay with the integrity of the piece and kind of let it speak to you, those are those are my favorite.
0: Yeah, well, that's well said. So anybody can participate in this?
5: Yes, anybody can participate in it. You just have to have an Instagram account um, and use the hashtag. We do really love to see before pictures. Um, we get the question a lot, is it required? And we're not going to say that we're going to count you out if you don't have one. Um, but to be totally honest, I think you could probably agree, just like with the Ugly Duckling contest, being able to see that before picture, is, it makes a huge impact.
0: Yeah, it's. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I almost wish that everybody who did a furniture piece, uh, refinished a piece, would always include the before, even if you don't feel like it's that dramatic. Yeah, because it's it's so fun to see what uh what it was before you refinished it. It's just it gives you the opportunity to go, wow, you know the creativity involved in, and, and just even if it's not structural changes, but it's maybe just changing the color and changing the hardware, it just changes the look dramatically. And so it's just a lot of fun to see that. Absolutely. So they just need to make sure they use the hashtag. Um well I'm pretty excited to say that uh we are partnering with you guys for this month, June first.
5: Yes. Very excited.
0: Yeah, so we'll be giving away a furniture paintbrush kit, which includes a round Palm Pro chisel wedge and a a two-and-a-half-inch angled sash, and it comes in a canvas bag, so we're excited to to be able to be a part of that. Crystal, there are six judges, which I think is quite cool, and I would say they're mainstays because, and that includes you, because you guys are looking at these month after month after month, and so I like the experience that goes with that. Um, As you guys are reviewing, it's nice to know that, folks that have not only refinished MCMs and Art Decos are the ones that are judging and have judged over the course of several months. You know, why don't you share with us all of the judges that are a part of this? And, um, and then also, and I'll go ahead and add this, make sure, and I think you would agree with this, make sure that you follow all six of these judges when you enter, because that's a part of the process as well.
5: It is, and it's a bummer when we make our final decision. And there has been a couple times where they haven't been following um, the judges, but also more importantly, the sponsors of that month. Um, That's a one really important thing. We're we're super grateful for sponsors, and we want to get them highlighted. So you're definitely going to want to make sure you're doing that. And it's a great group of girls. Um, You. Chances are you might already be following them. It's um, Amber at Unique Upcycles, um, Erica at Whiskey Valley Vintage, Janelle at Black Rock Refinishing, Jess at Refreshed by Jess, and Nicole at Restoration Design Company.
0: Oh, Tremendous, tremendous group. You know, I just want to say one other thing, and you can uh, just uh, reiterate this as well. Uh, with all contests, I think, that are on uh, IG or even Facebook for that matter, It's so important to emphasize the importance of staging and photography. I would assume that's a part of your process too, isn't it? Like when you're looking over these pieces that, that, because if you're like a lot of other people, you can easily disqualify a piece if it's nice, but yet the photography is so bad. It just, it's grainy or the staging is just really weak. What's your thoughts on that?
5: It is so true. Um, to me, the photography and especially the staging. And I mean, it can be something just simple. You don't even have to have anything on your piece. It can be in front of a white wall, or you can go crazy and you can really get into it and make it a scene. Um, but photography, it just takes it to the next level. And to be honest, it just makes looking at the photo so much more, um, enjoyable.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Well, I'm I'm glad we covered that as well. It's just a a reminder, and I say this often on the podcast when I'm talking with a lot of podcast guests that if you feel weak when it comes to staging, simple is better. And Crystal just said that. So I think where the downfall is if you're not comfortable staging and you end up throwing too much at it, it becomes a distraction to the piece that you work so hard on. So just just remember that simple is better, as she said as well. Exactly. Well, thanks again Crystal for coming on and sharing about mid-mod makeovers and encouraging folks to enter. It's a great opportunity to promote furniture finishing with an emphasis on mid-century modern and art deco.
5: Thank you so much for having me, Lane. I appreciate
0: it. Alright, you take care. You too. The trends in furniture finishing constantly evolve and new ideas emerge, but there are constants, and one of those is incorporating exposed wood into your pieces. With that in mind, the judges for the Zebra Review wanted to see your refinished pieces with exposed wood for the month of June. You can have the entire piece in wood or just a portion, but seeing the wood grain is what we are after, so even light washes are acceptable. Tag your exposed wood pieces that were refinished from June 1st through June 30th, 2022 with the hashtag TheZebraReview. Our five judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jen of Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, RES, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwitina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include The Real Milk Paint Company, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra's Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing!